this reality where a marketing budget is bigger than an HR budget. So we're not going to let, you know, 10, 20, $50,000 get in the way of a great idea. Hide your kids. Lock the doors. You're listening to HR's most dangerous podcast. Chad Sowash and Joel Cheeseman are here to punch the recruiting industry right where it hurts. Complete with breaking news, brash opinion, and loads of snark. Buckle up, boys and girls. It's time for the Chad and Cheese Podcast. Oh, yeah. Here we go. What's up, kids? You are listening to the Chad and Cheese Podcast, HR's Most Dangerous. I'm your co-host, Joel Cheeseman. And I am Chad Strange Brew Sowash. And no way. <laughs> no Posers. way. And we are happy to welcome our cult brand series, Marches On, Jay Anderson, SVP. Let me get this right. SVP of Marketing and Communications at Cadillac Fairview. Jay, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me. How are you doing, guys? Great. Well, we we already know what you drive, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 99% of people will say, oh, this is a local Cadillac dealership that they're talking to. So yeah. let's straighten that out right off. What is Cadillac Fairview? Uh, so Cadillac Fairview, you're right. Lots of people used to think that we were uh, not only the car maker, but a car dealership. Uh, but we are a commercial <laughs> real estate company, head office in Canada. Most of our uh, real estate holdings and retail and office are in Canada. And then we've also got some international holdings in the U.S. and South and Latin America. Very good. Very good. Now, let's talk about you. Give us the elevator on your background and, and what you do at your capacity of SVP of Marketing and Communications. Sure. Yeah, I joined the company about six years ago. I was previously, uh, I spent 10 years in Microsoft Canada, uh, leading the Xbox video game business in the Canadian market, and then saw an opportunity to to move to a Canadian company and be a little closer to the decision making and strategy. Um, and I saw a company that I didn't really know. But as I learned more about them, it was a company that really wanted to leverage brand as a competitive advantage in a category that doesn't really think much about brand, um, and an opportunity to be in an industry that's facing some headwinds, but taking them uh, taking them on directly with uh, with boldness, and I got excited by that. You got excited to leave Xbox to go to a building, buildings and residential. I mean, that's that's pretty amazing. What what did they what did they pitch you on this? I mean, I'm sure it was pretty much blue sky, right? You can do whatever you want. Yeah. And this was before Fortnite came out, right? <laughs> That's right. It's pre-Fortnite, but post-Halo. So there you go. Um, ah. it, uh, yeah, I mean, it was uh, it was an opportunity to come to a place that um, is bold in their thinking and uh, and is a leader in the space and wants to keep winning. And, uh, and that got exciting. And yeah, I mean, certainly once I had uh, made the decision to leave Microsoft, there was no shortage of people that I knew personally and professionally that were saying to me, my God, like, what happened? Why did you get pushed out of Microsoft? Because that must be the only reason you would leave. Uh, but I got to say, this has been six of the best years of my career. It's been absolutely amazing. It's been a rocket ship. It's so fun. And the company is really old, right? Like 1950s? Yeah. Yeah. So I actually originally started as two separate companies, Cadillac and Fairview, and they were like the Hatfields and the McCoys. They hated each other. And uh, and then in the mid 70s, they said, wow, we could actually be more powerful if we joined forces. So they did that in the mid 70s and uh, and haven't looked back since. So what does winning look like for Cadillac Fairview? Because I think we can understand like Xbox. We know what winning means for Halo. You're selling a hell of a lot of copies of those. What does that actually mean for Cadillac? 
Rock Fairview? Yeah, we kind of think of it in two ways. One is I'll, I'll just kind of talk about it from like a market, a more traditional market perspective, which is to say that okay. we're focused on owning premium real estate in every market in which we operate. So we want to hold properties that are the standard of excellence. So whether it's Toronto or Winnipeg or Calgary or Vancouver or Montreal or wherever that might be, we want to hold the best standard of excellence premium properties that exist in those markets. Um, and we believe that Yes, there's some headwinds happening right now in both the shopping center and office business, but we believe great, uh, great properties, great real estate with great experiences will thrive in the long term. So that's just kind of a traditional more market view. And then the financial view of it would be we're owned by the Ontario Teachers Pension Plan, which is a huge pension plan that funds the pensions of over 300,000 teachers. And, uh, and our job is to drive the valuation of the land. And in the same way that we understand the value of the home that we live in. Um, we understand the value of every property that we own, and that adds to about $30 billion in real estate value. And uh, and so then the pension fund uses that as a hedge against inflation. So winning in that regard is about growing the land value of the properties that we own. So for a lot of the companies that we talked to in our, our Colt Brand series, you know, it's all about sort of grand mission. Uh, whether it's Airbnb, you know, anyone can fit in anywhere or, you know, name any sort of, of cult brand out there that has a, a mission. Um, it seems to me like real estate would be hard to, to build a mission around for all of your employees to get behind. Um, do you find that like, what is the mission that drives everyone? What gets everyone out of bed at, in the morning? Um, or is it easier than maybe I'm thinking? No, no, that's, I mean, that is uh, where I've spent the majority of my time in my, in my time here at CF is really, you know, once we knocked off some more block and tackle, um, low hanging fruit in the brand space, we really then became, well, what if we transcended this brand journey to be more of a purpose journey and what would it take to become a purpose driven organization and unlock the potential in every one of our employees. And, and so when it started with that, we then started down this path of trying to figure out, well, what is our purpose? We had a mission statement. At the time, it was very financially motivated. It was about driving returns for our owner, not the kind of thing that excites people to get out of bed every morning. And so then we said, well, let's get rid of the mission statement altogether and let's develop a purpose and let's have a replace a mission. And we really wanted to find something that we felt did a great job of being true to who we are and our heritage as a company, but still aspirationally plant a flag on where we need to go. And so our purpose is transforming communities for a vibrant tomorrow. And we think that there are multiple things that set us apart from other real estate companies, including our focus on premium, really great real estate. The fact that this, you know, we operate the real estate that we build, so we're not just in it to make a quick buck and get out. The fact that every dollar of profit that we drive goes and funds teachers' pensions after a very noble career of of developing the next generation of young people. So we landed on this purpose of transforming communities for a vibrant tomorrow. And it feels like it's got that balance of being true to the heritage of the company, but aspirationally planting a flag on somewhere we need to go. You talk about balance, which I think is pretty much paramount for every cult brand that is out there, because obviously you have the the, the teachers that are shareholders um, and, and the pension plan. And, and obviously after they've done their, you know, their, their, their great work with with the kids over the years, um, they deserve to get the hell out and go have a, a great rest of their life. You That's have sure. them to be able to report to, but also, you know, from a purpose standpoint, you have to balance that. So instead of constantly focusing on just driving uh, real estate value or what have you, uh, that all is more balanced with 
doing the job and how important the job is. How do you, I mean, literally, how do you balance that out? I think that's one of the hardest things any brand can do. Yeah. And I think, uh, you know, part of my job as a, as a brand leader in the organization is, is figuring out how to, how to tell the stories of the great work that the company does. Like, yes, there's a bit of a, you know, stewardship of our purpose and leading that uh, on behalf of the organization, but how do we tell the stories of the great work that we do? And, you know, I look at that purpose we have rooted in this notion of transforming communities that an example I would give would be, you know, we're this real estate company based in Canada that not a lot of people have heard of outside of Canada. But the example I would use, you know, earlier this or last year, I guess the Toronto Raptors won the NBA championship. And, and so all of a sudden the, the world's yes, there we go. It's a proud moment, especially the Canadian when our hockey team hasn't won here, but, um, <laughs> but, but yeah, that's right. Yeah. So there's this reality where like, the world's eyes got open to this thing called Jurassic Park, where thousands of people gather outside of the arena, the people that aren't going to the Raptors game that still want to partake in the community. And, and that's uh-huh. an area called Maple Leaf Square that we built. Um, and, and lots of people don't realize that, but that was literally contaminated land 20 years ago. We created this whole new vibrant district in the city of Toronto and created this gathering place for thousands of sports fans. On contaminated land. Yes, exactly. <laughs> takes a lot of work to make it uncontaminated. Was it a Molson beer dumping ground or something? I don't know. Oh, Canadian stereotype. I love it. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. So staying on purpose, uh, you know, purpose many times starts at the top. Um, and when I have, when we do interviews like this, I like to go to, to Glassdoor, uh, see the reviews, see what kind of love or hate a company is getting. And, and as overall reviews, you guys are crushing it, uh, 4.2 out of five, but I was really impressed with your CEO's approval rating, um, which is 99%. So talk about, uh, the CEO's role on purpose and, and how he's engaged with employees, um, to sort of, you know, keep that, that ball rolling. Yeah, I mean, there's so many factors that get talked about on what it takes to become a purpose-driven organization. If I had to pick one, that would be it. Um, from the very first time I started interviewing with CF about the possibility of what this could be, uh, I got an absolute sense of the of the not only the commitment but the boldness of our CEO. Um, and it was him that ultimately said, "This is going to be the next great competitive advantage for our company." And there have been multiple times through the journey where, um, because this has been such a change for CF. There's been multiple times where either things aren't going well or people are resisting. And, you know, you got to be careful when you pull that card, but to know that either when I need him, either in the foreground, actively going and doing things or in the background, influencing things for our company to see, especially in a more traditional industry like ours, that's very uh, traditional hierarchy driven. um, Mm -hmm. It is so critical that our CEO be on board. And, And, you know, I often say to people like if our, if our CEO wasn't here i'm not sure i would be because either uh either they would have they might have gotten rid of me or uh, or i might have said this isn't for me and and just that commitment from him as a leader has been amazing it sounds as if you are building toward legacy and do you believe most brands aren't building toward legacy and rather that's one of the biggest issues that they're really building to see you know the next quarter's report but they're not really focused on legacy message and being able to engage their people? Yeah, I am definitely inspired by companies that are clearly doing legacy work. 
you know, I think about companies like you know, the kinds of companies we often look at as reference points because we're in a category that doesn't really focus on brand and purpose in commercial real estate. We often look to companies outside of our category. And so we regularly go to school on companies like Nike and Disney and Nordstrom and Four Seasons. Those are four reference brands that I often use in the journey that we've been on. And, and I, you know, I look at examples there where they are just doing it's clearly legacy work. They are not just doing this um, to make a buck. And and, and, but I think the reality is with purpose is helping people to realize that purpose is just simply the reason you exist beyond driving a profit. Those two things are inextricably linked. You need a clear purpose to inspire your people and make them feel like they're a part of something bigger than themselves. And that will help you drive more profit. And the two company or the companies that can connect those two things are the ones that really, really have that figured out as opposed to feeling like it's a trade-off. Right. So most leaders out there, and I think they get overcome with shareholder value and in, in, in a leader's eyes, if you were talking to a leader today, what is their benefit to building a legacy? Yeah, well, and I think what that comes down to is like, how can you make it about a legacy for everyone, not just for yourself? So I think quite often people can get caught up in building a legacy for themselves. Um, whereas if you take an organizational view of legacy, you know, when Nike takes a stand on Kyle and Kaepernick or when Nike takes a stand on designing a, a pro hijab at a time when anti-Muslim sentiment around the world has never been higher, like that's clearly not just one person trying to make a name for themselves. That's an organization thinking about legacy. And so I think that as, as if leaders can find that way to transcend about not making it about themselves, but making it about the legacy of the organization, then people really get on board and want to be a part of it. Interested in how uh, technology is advancing some of your, your mission and purpose. Um, you guys have quite a few YouTube videos on your website that talk about, you know, the history and the, the purpose and, um, being an employee, uh, you have social media presence on pretty much every major social network. And I think a lot of people would think a construction slash real estate company, what the hell are they doing on social yeah. media? So talk about that strategy and how that helps advance the purpose of the company. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, I, I think ultimately what we're trying to do is humanize the company. If I had to simplify it down to one thing, that, that's what I would say. We're, we're a company that uh, a company and in an industry that can at times be criticized for being unknown. Um, so quite often, you know, if you build a shopping center, that's largely about just building four walls for the world's greatest brands to come in and have a relationship with, with shoppers. Um, so you're a company that can be largely unknown. And at times, real estate developers get... Um, all painted with a brush of being greedy, being short-term focused, doing shoddy work to make a quick buck. Um, and so the extent to which we can get out there and get to know people and connect with people and humanize our company and tell cool stories, you know, whether that is the Jurassic Park example I talked about earlier or... You know, there's a construction project we did to connect two buildings with this really cool bridge. And we said, hey, why spend a couple million dollars on a very functional bridge when instead you could spend 20 times that on a really cool bridge that's going to create a tourist destination in the city of Toronto? Well, the story of how we built that is actually really interesting. And if you put that out on social media and tell the story of how you built this bridge with, you know, construction materials from Germany and you did this really cool maneuver to put the bridge into place without disturbing the city street below. Like there's a cool story there. So how do we humanize the company and how do we use storytelling to help people connect with us in meaningful ways? We'll get back to the interview in a minute. 
Building a cult brand is not easy, especially when you're sending candidates into a black hole, which is why you need friends like Rupesh Nair, CEO of Smashfly, on your side. Having someone submit a resume that just goes into the black hole is devastating uh, for candidate experience. Doing to close the black hole and ensure everyone has a great experience when applying. Well, we're doing a group of things out there. One is to ensure that the application experience itself is seamless by integrating with ATSs meaningfully and, and providing that statuses back and forth and ensuring that the levers of communication are activated every time there is a status coming back and forth from the ATS. So just kind of providing transparency in the in the application process by leveraging our uh, our candidate relationship management solution. The second aspect is then actually ensuring that we're using our matching algorithm to bubble up people pretty quickly where they are a great fit for that particular role in the company and ensuring that the conversational engagement starts right away and a recruiter is notified while the engagement is going on is critical, then that way we are prioritizing those engagements which are needed to the most important applicants right away. And then eventually ensuring that anyone who is not necessarily a good fit at that point, we are continuing to engage them, whether it is the job they applied for or for any other job, or for that matter, just general brand awareness and general engagement around what might be a good fit for those guys ensures that that black hole is minimized. Let Smashfly help activate your brand and keep relationships at the heart of your CRM. For more information, visit smashfly.com. You've got questions, we've got answers. Business leadership, ownership, and sales can be challenging. Tune into the Accelerate Your Business Growth podcast to learn from the world's experts. Join me, your host, Diane Helbig, as I chat with people who have expertise in various areas of business. You'll enjoy the lively conversations that are focused on providing you with the ideas, tips, and suggestions you need to realize greater success. Get what you need for your business, when you need it, from the people who have the answers. Accelerate Your Business Growth is part of the Evergreen Podcast Network and is available on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. And it seems to me like one advantage um, a construction company would have um, would be in the realm of charity. So, you know, building houses or rehabilitating things like that. Do, are you guys pretty active in charities? Um, and are you, are you using that to progress the, uh, the mission of the company and, and maybe attract a better talented, uh, employee that way through caring about the, the community through charity? Yeah, we are. I mean, it comes from a couple of places. First and foremost, we don't just want to build stuff. Um, we're in the business of bringing people together. And so whether that's you and your girlfriends going for some retail therapy for the weekend and having fun together, or whether that's your business taking the next step to go into a, an amazing office building in the financial district of Vancouver, we're in the business of bringing people together. And so what we recognize is charity is important, but we kind of look at it from a community impact perspective. We want to be a meaningful part of the communities in which we operate. Um, we're actually already the largest taxpayer in every city in which we operate just by virtue of the property tax 
tax that we pay. Um, but but there's so much more to it than just paying tax. It's about engaging with the community, creating these vibrant places, and recognizing that helping those that are less fortunate is a big part of it. But we ladder it up to this idea of community impact and how we can play a meaningful role in the communities in which we operate. And I understand taxes in Canada is no small thing, right? It really is not. Now, the healthcare is awesome, but we probably aren't going to get into that debate in this, uh, in this podcast. <laughs> we could. We could. Uh, I, I just like to, like to say that I appreciate an employer who understands that taxes are what drives the community uh, instead of what sucks money out of their shareholder value. So that's a big applause for me on that one. Well, thank you. Yeah. I, well, what's interesting about that to us is like you look at the, you know, you look at something like the city of Toronto, there's 150,000 people a year coming into this city. And so, uh-huh. yeah, developers need to go build great communities. But then the, the municipal government also needs to stay caught up with infrastructure, um, which and you need a tax base in order to do that. Right. Right. So you said and, and I love this. We don't just want to build stuff. Uh, and I, my question to you is being a cult brand, is it, is, does it mean more to you to actually turn projects down because they just want you to build stuff. And it's like, no, that's, that's not what we do. We really try to stay focused on creating things that are special. So, so I look at, you know, I have a counterpart that I work quite closely with. So I oversee brand and marketing. He oversees architecture and design. Um, and what's interesting about both our jobs is our jobs are, are part art and part science. And we kind of share that within the company. And so we work really closely together and he's just a great dude. So we, we get along really well. And what's amazing to me is the level of detail he'll go into. Like he will want to look like he's obsessive about light in ways that I could never pretend to understand. Uh-huh. But then he's gone into buildings where he's seen horrible light and he's gone into buildings that where lighting can actually add to the experience. So he'll be obsessive about the type of light that's going to go into a building and the mood that that sets and the way it contributes to the experience and just the things that, you know, building stuff is not part of my gig. My part of my gig is telling the story and building the brand. His gig is building stuff. And, and the focus that we put into this notion of, what does it mean to be the standard of excellence when you're creating spaces and you're and you're creating these vibrant places? That's where he spends all his time. And, and it's quite amazing to watch as a partner. Um, I'm curious about uh, sort of internal uh, marketing and, and mission. Um, it sounds like you guys take sort of measuring uh, employee engagement internally pretty seriously. Talk about that. Yeah. So from an employment perspective, we, we do take, uh, we call it employee engagement. So we take that really seriously. We really believe in this idea that uh, a more engaged and excited team is going to create better business results. That's widely believed throughout our organization, which is amazing to have that buy-in across the company. Yeah. Um, and that's absolutely a focus for us. So we measure it. You know, we have uh, surveys that we do three times a year, and then we're really serious about following up with the leadership of the company to make sure that they're understanding across our you know 1500 employees which might sound sound small by US uh, standards but how do we make sure that every leader that touches our 1500 uh, uh, CFers is really going to that extra mile to create a great environment that's rooted in the values of the organization and we really think a lot about that idea of we have an HR team that's leading our values and a brand team that's leading our purpose so how do we knit our purpose and our values together to make things a simple but also be inspiring for our people well, that being said, there, there's the HR team and then there's the talent acquisition and all the, I would say, the employer kind of face of Cadillac Fairview. Is that 
an entirely different face. How do you how do you attack that? Because you do have a brand that you have to get out there for the commercial side, right? For the residential side, for the government side, but you also have all these individuals who are coming in through this I'm looking for a job side of the house. Mm-hmm. How do you balance that out? And do you work very closely with the talent acquisition and HR group to to do that? Yeah, that's been a really interesting change while we've been on this journey to become a purpose-driven organization. It used to be like when I first started with the company, which wasn't that long ago, six years ago, um, the the marketing and HR teams, we we did operate more in silos. Um, And then a couple years. So for example, you know, we'd have a marketing team going and building a brand to resonate with our shoppers. And we have an HR team going out and building an employment brand. And and yes, that sounds a little siloed, but but I could you know I can be convinced on the value of that because uh-huh. you know a reason to walk into one of our shopping centers might be different than a reason to go work for the company. So you need to make sure you're building things that resonate with those people. But what we found is over the last couple of years, our teams have worked closer than ever, and it's been awesome. And sometimes it gets a little bumpy. Sometimes we get into each other's space, but at the end of the day, if you have a great relationship um, and you see the value of knitting together purpose and values and the way that you can unlock that not only for your current employees, but also for future employees in the spirit of creating a great place to work. It's just, you know, we're in our early stages of that, but it's been so much better uh, being really joined at the hip with our partners in HR, recognizing that you have a marketing team. I mean, marketers are ultimately trained in how to engage an audience and marketers usually train their attention on external audiences. And, and what if we trained a little bit of our attention on the internal audience and unlocking potential in our people? And we're seeing a great return on that. In what areas do you actually help HR? Because from our standpoint, like uh, job postings, uh, their uh, employment site, the actual process methodology that you have to go through to apply for a job in most cases sucks. So that experience sucks. And not to mention HR's budget is in most cases much lower than than marketing. So how do you guys really partner and collaborate to make sure that the overall experience for that candidate, for that that prospective, you know, individual um, who might be working for you, how they have a great experience? How does that work? And do you guys pretty much really become symbiotic? Yeah, yeah. It happens in a couple ways. So one way it's already happening is part of our what we call our brand team. So brand marketing and corporate communications is kind of all uh, all the the team that I lead. And so the, so we've already made a decision as a company that internal communications to our employees sits with the brand team, not with the HR team. So our team is charged with how do we communicate and engage internally with employees. Um, And so we've already for for years now worked closely together in that regard. And we've actually even just in the last few months find other ways that we can that we can work even more closely together. And that's been great. But then I even think about like, you know, my my counterpart in HR, uh, you know, she's a great partner. And and she and I just just recently had a conversation about we have a skill set within marketing around social media. She's thinking about things like LinkedIn and Glassdoor, and she's saying like, it makes no sense for her to build that skill set within our team. So how could our teams partner? You know, and so we're just on the cusp of starting to think about what that might look like in, in the coming weeks. And then the last example would be 
there's, you know, a couple times a year, there are a few times a year, she'll reach out to us and she'll say, Hey, I have this really great idea. Here's how I think it can drive our purpose and our values with our people, but I don't have budget to your point earlier. There's Uh just this reality where a marketing budget is bigger than an HR budget. So we're not going to let, you know, 10, 20, $50,000 get in the way of a great idea. And so, you know, the reality is, is that, is that that's not a material amount of money within our marketing budget. So she and I just have a conversation about, well, what's going to the outcome going to be and why is it great for our people and, and who cares who funds it? I'll happily throw some money in to go do something great for our people. I'd like to dig in a little more on, on the tactical stuff of this because I think a lot of uh, listeners right now, their HR and marketing departments are not talking at all. You said roughly three years ago, the two got together. Um, who drove that? What did it look like? Um, do you guys meet regularly or is it just sort of, hey, when there's an idea or something that comes up? Um, like, are there real specific things that you do tactically um, in addition to the, the overall strategy that you have to work together that some of our listeners might really benefit from? Yeah, it's a great question. The, the catalyst moment for us was the decision to become a purpose-driven organization. And, and once we said that, and once we said one of the, one of the key elements of that is going to be to build from within, um, we knew that our teams had to be knit together. So what we did that kind of three or four years ago was we formed this group of people that we called uh, brand stewards. I mean, love the name or don't love the name doesn't really matter. But but what we did is we brought together a couple, a handful of people from our senior leadership team. So me as our head of brand and marketing, um, our head of HR and people, our head of operations. So 70 percent of the employees of the company report up through our operations organization. So we saw him as important and, and he's accountable to 99 percent of the EBIT and profit that our company drives. And then lastly, someone who's kind of the right hand of our CEO and is um, a strategy uh, expert whose role has been really to help develop and then bring strategy to life. And so the four of us came together three or four years ago and said, if we're going to do this, it needs to connect to our strategic plan. It needs to unlock potential in our people. It needs to build our brand and needs to resonate across our operations organization, which is where our business comes to life through our properties. And so we knit the four of us together from the start in this group called Brand Stewards. And that's where it all began. And so we've been finding all those natural points of integration along the way. And is there structure to regularly meet? Um, Is there an agenda? Does someone drive that? Yeah. So, um, you know, amongst that group of four of us or now five, because we also added our, our head of innovation to that group more recently. Um, what we've you know, it's changed over time. So it used to be in the early days, like we would meet monthly and we would be spending uh, um, quite a surprising amount of time on pretty small decisions. And, and we reached a point where I went to them and I just said, like, look, guys, like, I'm not sure getting you together once a month so that we can all debate a $5,000 decision uh, is really a good use of our time. So let's pull us up a level. We're at a good point on our journey. Let's get more strategy focused and less execution focused. So now we get together on a roughly quarterly basis. And basically my job is to raise my hand when I have stuff I need their advice on and pull the group together. And and so that just, it's on an as needed basis as opposed to this kind of regular cadence. Gotcha. And you, you touched on Glassdoor for uh, one of your comments And I think for a lot of marketing folks, they're aware of Glassdoor, but they don't think of it as a a marketing tool or anything that they should really be concerned with in marketing, right? And most of the consumer companies we talk to, they're worried about Yelp reviews, you know, Google reviews, Facebook stuff. 
Um, but you touching on Glassdoor was interesting. So talk about uh, how you engage with Glassdoor or what, how it's important to you from a, a marketing standpoint. Yeah. So the, the way I think about that, and we don't have great examples of, hey, here's some best practices on that, because that is literally something we're about to get started with. Where we come from is a place of, um, we know we're on a journey to become a purpose-driven organization. We know we want to start uh, from within and build out because we can have so much more impact if every CFR feels like they're a part of something bigger than themselves as a opposed to just a marketing team going and doing it. We also know that with changing demographics, millennials, uh, purpose is more important to millennials than any other living generation. So we know that that's important to drive the top line of our business, but it's also important to fill our pipeline of talent. And so once you knit all those things together, you're just kind of like, well, why should I think about Instagram as being any different from Glassdoor? And so we're just on the, uh, we'll start in the next few weeks and just kind of figuring out, okay, how does our team partner with our people team to really think about that as an important vehicle to engage with people and kind of be agnostic as to whether that's about we want someone to go to our shopping center and have a great time on a Saturday versus we want someone to apply for a job and have a great time in their career. Yeah. And I think that last part is is one of the keys that I want to talk about. You guys focus on the experience. I mean, through architecture, design, message, and the big question is, and this is not a gotcha because most haven't, but have you actually applied for a job through your applicant tracking system? I have not. Okay. So generally, that is what we call the black hole of yeah. the experience for most candidates, right? They go in, they spend 15, 20 minutes, some even longer, and they don't get that architectural design that I believe most talent acquisition and HR people should be aspiring toward. And I really believe that's where they need brand and marketing's help. Um, yeah. they, they obviously have a, a ton of things that they need to, you know, box checking and things of that nature. But, um, but as you guys get together, what is your major focus on when it comes to pushing this initiative forward, especially when it comes to HR? What's the, the, the real big piece that is priority for you guys right now? Yeah, internally, it is this idea of knitting together purpose and values. And, and it's how people, you know, helping people to realize that purpose is the why, like, why are we in business? Um, and values are the how in terms of how we behave and, and helping to knit those things together to help people see how they can activate purpose in their day to day job, because purpose is not just something for you know, my partner I spoke about in architecture and design who's building cool stuff. It's also, you know, for, you know, if someone in the finance organization or a security guard walk in the mall, like you can activate purpose in your job. And so if we can knit those things together, help people see how to activate purpose and how to live in a manner consistent with our values, that's where I spend the vast majority of, of my time with our with our partners and the people team. I want to talk about your your quick wins for a second. You've got puppy parks, uh, <laughs> dress for your day. Uh, talk talk about those those uh, those those perks and why they're important to your organization. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah puppy so, parks sounds amazing. I'm ready to go. They are. How could you not love puppy parks, <laughs> dude? Dude, next January, it's worth a trip to Toronto. I know a lot of people don't think about Toronto in January, but that's when you can see a puppy park. So, um, <laughs> so, um, so that really what this came from was once we developed our purpose in transforming communities for a vibrant tomorrow, we had to pick an approach or a philosophy on how you activate that purpose and how you bring it to life. And so what we did was we said, we need bold moves and we need quick wins. You need bold moves so that people see you're serious and are kind of like, oh my God, wow, these guys are serious about this. But you also need quick wins so that people see progress. And so what we 
did was we got our team focused on the bold moves. What are those two or three big things that we're going to do to show people that we're serious about transforming communities for a vibrant tomorrow? But then what we said with Quick Wins is what if we put it out to CFers as a way to engage people across the company who have great ideas? Is there this thing that you want to do that you think would be a lot of fun and amazing? And as long as you can show a connection to our purpose, we'll fund your great idea and help you bring it to life. And so we've had a couple of examples. Um, one are these puppy parks, which have gone surprisingly well. The spirit of puppy parks is there's this the concept called Blue Monday. There's a Monday in January that's generally regarded as the saddest day of the year because people are out <laughs> of the holiday season. Their visa bill is coming in. It's kind of this like global phenomenon, this idea called Blue Monday. And so we said, well, what if we could go into the lobbies of our office buildings and create something to cheer people up? And we're like, what cheers people up more than puppies? So we bring in a bunch of puppies. Um, actually dog Instagram influencers. So we reached out to the owners of Instagram dogs and had them come in and just created a bunch of buzz in these cool little areas where you can go interact with puppies. So whether it's like a puppy, oh, thank you, thank you. <laughs> And it's got amazing traction with our office clients. They love it. There's people lined up to hug a puppy and get their photo with it and all that stuff. So whether it's that or whether it's um, we're a very traditional industry. So it's actually only in the last couple of years we implemented a policy called dress for your day, which means you don't as a guy have to wear a suit and tie every day or be in formal dress. You know, what's your day require and how do you dress for that? Um, how do we take a different approach to important cultural moments like Pride or Women's Day or, or even a little example like, um, you know, sadly last year, like Nordstrom passed away, um, a key member of the Nordstrom family. It turns out he was actually friends with our CEO. So, so why not take that moment to tell our story to our employees of our CEO's connection with Blake and what that relationship meant and have this incredibly human moment. So just thinking about these little quick wins so that our people and our customers see progress. There are certain brands that benefit from where they're from. Uh, thinking of Canada, Tim Hortons, hockey and beer, does, does being a Canadian company come uh, like, is that in play as, as your brand? Or do you think about that as all at all as a Canadian company? We think being Canadian helps as we look to build on a global scale. So as we go build out our presence outside of Canada, we think being Canadian and being owned by the Ontario Teachers Pension Plan helps the conversations that our investments team is having around the world. Um, as I look at our domestic business, though, which is you know where we focus a lot of our time and is a significant portion of our business, I actually think in, inside of Canada, it's less about being Canadian. It's more about those emotional moments that happen in local communities, because I think it's not so much that the shopping center is owned by a Canadian company company. I think it's about the fact that the shopping center is in your local community. That's the place where your kids saw Santa in the flesh for the first time. That's the place where as a teenager, your parents let you roam free. That's where a lot of people had their first kiss and their first date. That's where you bought your prom dress. That's where you had that really great weekend with your friends, like the emotional connection to the community role of a shopping center at that lo local level, I think is more powerful than that national pride of being Canadian. And much better than going on Amazon. That's for damn sure. So thirsty for a Labatt right now. I can't even um, tell you. <laughs> I'm so glad you guys said both those things, not me. <laughs> Jay, we really appreciate you taking the time. And, uh, you know, if anybody wants to find out more about, you know, CF, where will they go? Where should they go? Yeah, go to CadillacFairview.com or just flip me an email at Jason.Anderson at CadillacFairview.com. Excellent, man. We really appreciate it. Thanks. Thanks, Jay. Thanks, guys. Appreciate the time. We, we out. out.
This has been the Chat and Cheese Podcast. Subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss a single show. And be sure to check out our sponsors because they make it all possible. For more, visit chadcheese.com. Oh yeah, you're welcome. How much do you understand the future of finance? I'm Jim Roos, a top 10 banking influencer and host of the podcast Banking Transformed, where we dive deeply into the rapidly evolving world of banking and financial technology. Join me as I interview industry experts, thought leaders, and innovators as they unravel the latest banking trends, disruptions, and game-changing technologies reshaping the world of finance. Redefine your understanding of the banking ecosystem. Subscribe now to Banking Transformed, available wherever you get your podcasts and now available on YouTube.